Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> Today I'm going to continue the uh, very long reading uh, from Book 3, uh, Selected Essays, 2001-2010. We're back in the middle of Section 1, Wanderers, UFO, and ET Groups, in the middle of Chapter 6, which is the interview I had with Deborah Lindemann on abduction and ET contact, particularly negative ET contact. And last time we went through um, page 26 to the top of 27, talking about the metaphysics of uh, spiritual protection and how one could or will or can um, become spiritually protected by deliberate um, spiritual self-empowerment. So at the top of 27, uh, which I read last time, the last paragraph of my reply regarding her questions about, um, you know, the continuation of the question of protection and what's needed for somebody who's had negative contact or wants to remain protected or what's possible. I'll read it, <clears throat> and then we'll start the new material, which begins um, after the paragraph with her next question. So, I'll, top of 27, I said, in conclusion, literally... This is repellent and repugnant to negative ETs, meaning love-based power, meaning fourth chakra, sixth chakra activation uh, as it affects the energy fields of um, body, mind, spirit, or self. Literally, this is repellent and repugnant to negative ETs who'd lose their energetic integrity as ensouled beings or depolarize should they try to enter. As they seek to maintain their own conditions of distortion, which is their choice, living without love, willfully ignorant of unity or the law of one, meaning negatively polarized, they simply won't enter the field of a person who um, has worked on fourth, fifth, sixth chakra activation, uh, because they'll depolarize. And thus, love-based self-appreciation with wisdom is true protection totally available to all of us, always. And and the new material starts here with Deborah's question to me. She said, so you're saying it's not compatible in terms of frequency or vibration. It is not compatible, meaning that the negatively oriented ET that wishes to abduct or um, make an astral courting is not compatible. And I said, yes, the energy fields don't resonate, meaning the person and the negative entity trying to come in or make a, a contact the energy fields don't resonate, and ultimately, the energy field of someone who is spiritually self-integrated is repellent to the negative ET, who basically can't enter and would find that they'd lose their integrity or depolarize should they try. And so, if the negative ET tries to enter the energy field of a person with great love and power, the alien would lose their sense of individuality. This is one way of saying it, or putting it, although I'm not totally sure of the process, and there are many other ways of saying it or explaining it, for sure. So this is just one introductory presentation to uh, the metaphysics of, of spiritual protection. So, a person who is instead filled with thoughts of self-judgment, hatred, condemnation, with a huge sense of insecurity, inadequacy, inferiority, depression, sorrow, self-pity, basically has a collapsed or porous uh, energy field condition. This is the way their own mind-body-spirit field would appear to the ET, based on their attachment to these uh, unloving thoughts um, regarding self. Of course, <clears throat> all this comes from conditions of bind, which in turn influences a person's immunity or immune system, as well as their overall chi vitality, which she had asked me about, if we think thoughts of self-condemnation or, or hatred of other, then the immune system weakens. It's also related to chakras. As the immune system is connected with the thymus, thymus is related to heart chakra, thymus is the endocrine gland related to heart chakra, and so self-love has a beneficial effect on the heart, and self-rejection a negative effect. And then that affects the energy fields and how vulnerable or how triggerable, how violationable, violable uh, a person is. And Deborah Lindemann has a, she made some comments here. She said, there's a situation too, and I've seen this in my own support groups, a frustrating position for many abductees. 
that while they may be complaining that their experience is traumatic or that they are frightened, there's a part of them that's mystified by it. I've asked many, if you could go back and you could change all of this and never have had this experience, would you? And why or why not? What do you mean, would you? <clears throat> would, you have, would you choose to not have had this experience if you could have gone back and, and not had it? She goes on, many of them say that they believe they have evolved to become who they are today because of their experiences. They often go on to share that they've become better because of it, or it's expanded their sense of themselves and their part in this reality, meaning 3D physical. It's a spiritualizing experience, or has led them to self-spiritualization. <clears throat> and the frustrating position, Deborah Lindemann says, for them is that there's a part of them that doesn't want to let go of it yet because they want to understand it and as it is though their curiosity and it is as though their curiosity is fostering a continuation of the experiences meaning they keep getting abducted <clears throat> so there's something important here about their choices as to whether they want the continuation of these experiences or not and all that goes with that which is a very important point which is um, um <clears throat> the attachment of the victim to their oppressor, the um, attachment or fascination with pain for the masochist, not that all abductees are masochists at all, but we're talking, I'm talking about comparable psychodynamics in relationships, you know, comparable psychodynamics in comparable other relationships, like uh, human relationship, not human ET. <clears throat> the... Um, there is a certain, uh, there may be a certain attraction to the continuation of the experience because it's so rare and special. It's also traumatic and a violation. And <clears throat> then there's the, um, there may also be the psychodynamics of the sense of I deserve it, meaning uh, I'm bad so I should be punished. That's a little different. But these are the psychodynamics of uh, attachment to traumatic ET contact that leads to continuation. And I said here, yes, bottom of page 27, yes, it's a very delicate issue. Overall, I think the first thing a person has to determine is the intention or agenda of the initiating agent, the ET. That can certainly be determined, and without too much difficulty if we listen to our heart. The rule here is so simple that many people can't get it. If it felt uplifting, inspiring, and kind, then the, intent, the ET intention is positive for our betterment. On the other hand, if we feel violated, disoriented, and traumatized, then it was likely a negative contact. To me, this is kind of simple. If you can't clearly determine the ET's intention, and if you don't hold that foremost in the discussion, then you really don't know what you're getting into. Whether or not you can turn the experience to your advantage and grow through personal efforts at self-healing. And so just because you can make, you know, lemonade out of lemons doesn't mean they're not sour. Yeah, they're sour. If the negative, if the ET involved in a contact is really negatively oriented, then, um, you know, it's good for you, it's wonderful, you could uh, get some spiritual self-empowerment, learn something about the universe, but they still want to abuse you and uh, dominate and use you and exploit you till they don't need you, till they throw you away and don't need you anymore, till you're dead or whatever, till you're no longer serviceable to them. If you want to maintain a relationship with them, you know, um, you'll um, sign on to everything else that entails. <clears throat> That's pretty simple, straightforward, and she goes on, or what you're dealing with, meaning, um, you know, uh, I said people can grow, despite the fact that people can grow through personal efforts at self-healing, the negative, the ET intention is still negative, um, and she's sort of saying, you know, you got to know what you're dealing with, she said, or what you're dealing with, and I went on, yes, you don't really know what you're dealing with. <laughs> You may never fully know what you're dealing with, but as long as you have a basic sense of their intentions, you can know whether it's in your own best interest to continue the interaction or not. In dealing with genuine negative ET contact, not the human type masquerading as alien abduction, 
which is another story, or sometimes called Milabs, it is ultimately our choice if we wish to continue or not. It's like the case of a woman who's been raped and then says, well, I've learned a lot from the experience. I've become more self-reliant, more self-confident, and developed a firm faith that I can survive anything. But that was her work, not the intention of the rapist. And so she calls the experience, and so if she calls the experience back again, that's called being self-destructive. Likewise, you really cannot change the intentions of alien groups. They're clearly polarized, and I assure you, they're not wondering about good or evil, as they're fully aware of the path they're following. <clears throat> if indeed the contact is coming from a negative group with malevolent intent, no matter how much processing you do, no matter how much you can use it and grow, if you still seek to continue it, you'll still get abused and taken advantage of. I think that if people don't clearly determine the polarity of the contact, being malevolent or benevolent, first and foremost, they could be putting themselves into great harm if they willfully continue it. And that's, <laughs> if you don't know anything about metaphysics, then um, that whole discussion, you know, goes over one's head. But uh, <laughs> I think this pretty important baseline consideration is the intention of the initiating alien entity and she goes on appropriately and how do you suggest they determine the polarity of either benevolent or malevolent the polarity of the entity and i said page 28 frankly you just need to pretty you just need to be pretty damn straight with yourself about the nature of the experience honestly it's really quite simple if someone here on earth pulled you out of bed threw you around put probes or needles into you, and confounds you in a thousand ways, you'd simply consider the person evil, or bad, call the police, or try to stay away from them. It's only our mental complexity, self-doubt, and the legacy of religious self-denial that makes us think otherwise when the agent of the experience is an E.T. Let's be clear, they're not all benevolent. I mean, <clears throat> there's no true spiritual teacher alive that would do that to lay people down on tables, put objects into them, disorient them, and freak them out is not the sign of positive contact. As I sometimes say to those who wonder about it, if that's the way of positive ET contact, then what in the world would qualify for negative contact? How much worse would it get? And Deborah says, and you never see that in, in angelic visitations or encounters, which is true. And I said, right. <clears throat> this kind of experience never happens in such inspiring encounters, nor in the typical near-death white light greeting, meaning going into the white light or something, or getting a greeting there, <clears throat> nor does it come from any human spiritual teacher who, who's benevolent. It just doesn't happen. So, some people can then say, oh well, we can't apply our standards to theirs. And I go on, well, you know what? We can. <laughs> that type of thinking is just false as far as I know, and based on my own ET contacts, which is true, based on my own experience, uh, we can apply our moral standards to them. Oh, how about that? So, I go on, I've met entities that I'd consider benevolent, and those that I'd consider malevolent, and there's a world of difference between them. Truth be told, the positive contacts that I've had were near beatific, meaning beautiful, and I'm not exaggerating, and on the contact, on the converse, the few direct encounters I've had with negative entities left me shaken and shaking my head that a soul could be so evil, horrible, self-contorted, and perverse, and um, sick, sick-minded, sick being. <laughs> and if you're listening, look in the mirror, you'll see. I really think that it's BS to dismiss our standards. And, as you might expect, that dismissal comes from self-denial, I think it comes from self-denial, and an unwillingness to simply trust our feelings. If it hurts, it's bad. <laughs> I think it's a cop-out and a pretty serious distortion to dismiss our feelings of terror and abhorrence. If people don't want to acknowledge that they've been had, used, and violated, it's easy to say, oh, I don't know anything, I guess they really care about me, or maybe they care about me. But it goes against the heart, which is in pain and fear and certainly doesn't want any more such experience. I think a lot of people are afraid to say, 
Yes, I've been traumatized, and I was basically violated. I think it's just another case of people not wanting to acknowledge their weakness, and the fact that they just couldn't say no. They were powerless, no matter how much they wanted to get away. <clears throat> However, if the person truly acknowledges their weakness and responsibility for co-creating the experience, which is another matter, then in my eyes, and in terms of their energy field and spiritual growth, I believe, it's an act of tremendous power and strength. If the person continues along that line without blaming themselves or getting stuck in self-blame and moving towards self-forgiveness, understanding, seeking to understand and then acknowledging and affirming their degree of responsibility, it's like if you hurt yourself, you're going to get an infection. You know, the guy who has gangrene and his leg, his leg gets infected and they have to cut it off did that to himself. Dr. Louise was called a suicide. And so, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, evil bacteria, bacteria eats flesh. And um, yet we, the person who has that, has weakened themselves, their immunity, their condition of body-mind, so much so that that would happen. That's called responsibility, and it's not blaming a victim. It's called responsibility. So if a person continues along that line, without, I would say, getting stuck in blaming themselves and ser seriously or sincerely moving towards self-forgiveness, then it has the power to repel negative ETs in the future. The first step to empowerment, then, is to acknowledge one's weakness. If the person can say, yes, I was weak, yes, I made a mistake, I was lonely for some kind of spiritual contact, and it filled an empty space in my heart, if that's the case, then I'd say that's a self-empowering realization. And by the way, this touches on one reason why many people want the negative contact to continue. Because not only are they trying to grow and learn from it, which is to their credit, not to the ET's intentions, but it fills a kind of emotional void. <clears throat> and so, a lot of abductees don't want to terminate their contacts, no matter how abusive they are, how many scars are left on body and soul, nor how confused and disoriented their life becomes. In the end, some people just feel special to be receiving such, quote, higher power attention. Perhaps they feel important and specially chosen for this amazing contact, which is often what they're told, by the way. And, by the way, <clears throat> negative, ne negative ETs know very well how to play on our naive and mistaken longing for feeling special. In such a case, the person may reason that if some ET race with so much power, so far advanced beyond mere mortals, comes down to interact with them or me directly, then it must mean they're special, and it would be hubris or arrogance to reject them. Honestly, I think this is just one derivative of insufficient self-trust or faith and self-empowerment. I think if they were treated this way by another person, their reaction would be far less accommodating. I think it's wisdom to hold ETs to the same standards, moral standards, that we hold other humans. In fact, we really need to hold them to higher standards, since they do know what they're doing. <clears throat> so this gets into all sorts of uh, human ignorance, like we're the most evolved race in the universe, or we're, the, 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 we're idiots who know nothing, and therefore we have to trust whatever they tell us. Right? There are government officials wowed by Orion Technologies, who basically say, well, either I'm on top or you're on top, and so you have a tech, so you're on top, so we follow you, but then later we'll, you know, scheme to overthrow you. Uh, meanwhile, they've just uh, gone into bed with the devil. <clears throat> and um, as we were talking about before, um, there are a lot of blind spots that come from that, or lead to that and come out of that. So Deborah went on. Uh, she said, now you're being very honest with what you feel, but you know you're going to get a lot of flack from people who are going to disagree with that. And I said, that's okay. And a lot of up, she goes, Deborah, and I, you know, that's why I'm uh, sitting alone in my room in Taiwan, talking to a small group <clears throat> and a few hundred people on YouTube. Because the mainstream UFO community, UFO research community, New Age community, spiritual community, they don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear a lot of stuff <laughs> that I say. Because I'm such a bad guy, I'm so terrible and distorted, right? Because I'm so selfish and self-aggrandizing, right? <laughs> because I'm so greedy and distorted and scandalous, right? No, I don't think so. It's actually because it's too challenging and upsetting 
you know? If people get emotional comfort from the maintenance of their own views, then the cognitive dissonance and the uh, pain of cognitive dissonance from considering that maybe their views um, have a lot of work needed um, leads people to not want to hear something, uh, leads people to not like hearing certain information. I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Well, I don't like it because I don't feel good. Why don't you feel good? Actually, it's because the comfort I've had from my, from my current beliefs is, is broken and damaged and harmed, and I'm losing it, losing that comfort by hearing other views that I sense may well be true. Therefore, mine may well be mistaken moderately, significantly, here or there, or a lot. And that feels bad, so I don't want feel bad, so I don't listen to what feels bad. And that's uh, common, common, you know, we all have our limitations. So Deborah said, now you're being very honest with what you feel. It's not what I feel, it's what I think, okay? It's what I believe to be true. But, you know, you're going to get a lot of flack from people who are going to disagree with that. And I said, that's okay. She went on, a lot of abductee, abductees would say, no way. Uh, no way do I want this, meaning <clears throat> they don't. They say they don't want it or sincerely believe and, and are, have conviction they don't want it, and it continues, then what's happening? Because I'm not saying that, you know, people don't want it. Some people, some people are very confused about it. Some people don't want it and do want it. <clears throat> Other people don't want it, and it doesn't seem to be ending yet. Those are different cases. And I try to address that. And I go on, well, I would say, if you don't want it, then you, then you can certainly do the work of self-development or spiritualization, self -empower, spiritual self-empowerment, moving yourself towards true power, and the abductions will stop, or they can stop, for sure. And I believe that. This would mean doing things like meditation and serious spiritual practice, using mantras, practicing some form of real white magic, doing various methods of blending divine power with love, thus reforming their own body, mind, spirit, energy system. That's, I think, what would, what's always needed to stop negative contact. And that's really, you know, that's somewhat spiritually, sort of magical, right? Metaphysical, spiritual, magical, um, interdimensional, energetic, mind and, mind and energy based. That's what's needed to reform interdimensional relationship. <laughs> You know, <clears throat> to get rid of a bad or a harmful interdimensional relationship and move towards being capable or qualified for more benevolent and um, long-term serious benevolent, <clears throat> helpful interdimensional relationship. Uh, for human relationship on the 3D plane, the magical is not necessary. But for the interdimensional, the magical, the spiritual, the metaphysical self-working is definitely needed. And she goes on, she says, this may possibly explain, too, why we don't hear about abduction in the physical, typical sense in the worlds of various spiritually evolved people and circles. Right. She goes on, for example, I've asked a variety of spiritually oriented people, from Brahmins to priests, meaning uh, Hindu Veda, Vedics, to priests, uh, Christian maybe, and the responses are interesting. Unless they're in high denial, which is the case sometimes, or don't talk about it, or misunderstand it, and report it as something that's demonic, they're not recording and talking about having these experiences. I mean, in Buddhism, there's no... I mean, the, in Western... <clears throat> the history of Western mysticism, um, alchemy even, medievals, medieval times, uh, there's the incubus and succubus, you know, obsessing entity. In the Bible, there's discussion, I mean, unclean spirits. For sure, uh, Abrahamic religion, Christian, Jewish... Islamic, they know about negative entities, jinns and demons, for sure. Um, but I think she's looking at talking about Eastern religion. If you talk about, if you go to Buddhist teacher in the forest of Thailand, uh, they know about this, but it's not. Uh, they would call, they would consider it a class of uh, uh, ashura attack, ashura meaning higher dimensional negative entity attack on a human. That's karmically. Uh, karmically justified or deserved, meaning the person got got uh, did some bad karma, <laughs> did some real harm to others to do, be karmically 
in line in the karmic stream for this to come back at them. But that doesn't mean the person's evil and uh, they can't make things better. They can. But <clears throat> it's not that common. And I write, or I spoke, uh, bottom of 30, I said, right. Again, I think that we can say that our condition of consciousness determines our personal energy field. The total energy field of self is determined by our mental spiritual consciousness, meaning not just physical. Each of us manifests more or less love, more or less wisdom, in more or less balance, and with a varying degree of access to true soul power. So that means the relative development of fourth ray, the relative development of fifth ray, the relative balance between fourth and fifth ray, and the relative um, access, uh, development of sixth ray, meaning power or intelligent energy, um, as it is uh, variably accessible by the person into the personal energy field to, um, you know, to be a spiritually self-empowered uh, individual in, in a very, you know, ordinary kind of way to, um, to be radiant in love light is totally the result of each person's unique development of four, five, six. So, going on, in various mystic traditions, <clears throat> particularly Eastern, you can expect that they've done some spiritual work, generally through their meditation practice. In essence, <clears throat> these practices are for personal development of love, wisdom, and awareness of unity, or self-completion, 456, and that work ultimately makes them invulnerable, or far less vulnerable, and not subject to negative ET abduction. Again, it depends on the karma and all sorts of things, but it's so I wouldn't say invulnerable. It depends on how it's done. <laughs> there are more than a few yogis and, and bhikkhus that get psychic attack, for sure. But <clears throat> that um, will always end uh, if they continue their practice. Um, and the more deeply they continue and the better the teacher with them, the more rapidly and thoroughly it will be terminated, the negative contact. And so <clears throat> that work, uh, development of love, wisdom, and awareness of unity, ultimately makes them invulnerable or far less vulnerable and eventually invulnerable and not subject to negative ET abduction. While they still have personal distortions, at least they're no longer vulnerable to direct attack. And that's different. You know, <clears throat> abduction is not the same as exacerbation of distortion. It's a, it's a difference of degree that's a difference of kind. As to the people who've already had negative attack, <clears throat> again, there's a strong tendency to dismiss the fact that they've been violated, or some people have that tendency to uh, dismiss it. And unfortunately, that dismissal sets up an energy blockage that prevents true self-empowerment, meaning dishonesty. It's a dishonesty, not willing to admit, <clears throat> I've, I've been traumatized, I've been violated and hurt, and um, I have some responsibility, and you do too. <clears throat> that that really needs to be acknowledged or admitted before spiritual you know empowerment can happen we can never access true spiritual power which is very much six chakra if we continue to blame others for the quality of our experiences so blame maintains disempowerment deborah goes on a little while ago we touched on the theory or thinking that people are experiencing these encounters as traumatic because they simply don't understand these beings. This is, some people talk about that. And one of the <clears throat> old popular analogies that have been used for years is that if you were to take an animal or a pet to the veterinarians, and I cut her off and said, yes, this notion I'm quite familiar with, and she cut me off and said, yes, they're being given shots, <clears throat> etc. the animal at the vet, and it's all for their good, and that the animal's consciousness can't comp cannot comprehend the consciousness or intent of the doctors, and further, if you could ask the cat or dog whether they like the experience, they would of course say that they don't, that they hate it, and that they're probably quite scared, the, the pet at the vet. Furthermore, if capable, they would most likely think this can't be positive or good because it hurts and, they didn't, and I didn't ask for it, meaning the, the pet at the vet <clears throat> uh, who feels traumatized or afraid will say, <clears throat> would say if they could, I didn't ask for this, it's true. And it's um, a violation, true, and it's very upsetting, but the doctor tries to help or the positive intention is there. So what about that? That's a, 
that 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 that's direct download from forty negative. <laughs> that meme, in my view. Now, <clears throat> I went on. I said, right. The idea is that it's really for their own good, and that they, the aliens, they know better than the humans as to what's needed, as to what we need. Needing like the doctor, at <clears throat> the vet doctor, on the pet, the the vet on the pet, the vet knows better than the pet. Um, that's the uh, basis of that idea. And Deborah says, right, exactly. And I said, yes, I think that's really a lie. <laughs> Just another piece of alien disinformation to keep the abductee willing and subservient. <clears throat> Obviously, it also stems from, supports, and furthers the person's denial of self-responsibility. Their existing sense of powerlessness and their continued subjugation by the alien. <clears throat> Meaning, their uh, subjugation continues, their powerlessness continues, or their feeling of powerlessness, because they really have power, but they don't access it. And <clears throat> that notion can come from powerlessness, which is um, common in a victim, you know, victimization, trauma violation, traumatic violation, for sure. I was powerless. I couldn't stop it, for sure. That's true. But <clears throat> this idea sort of makes sense in that way. And I go on. In the raw material, explained further at the end of the interview, Raw stated in no uncertain terms that one of the main purposes of negative ET contact is indeed to make the person feel like a helpless animal. <clears throat> the line of thinking that, quote, they know better than us what we need, they're only trying to help us, and if you feel traumatized and frightened, it's your own fault, since you just don't understand what's good for you. <clears throat> to me, this is a perfect apology, rationalization, and false justification for continued violation. It's a perfect, clear example of negative reasoning and mind control. You can see this type of reasoning employed by many human organizations that basically exist to control people in a top-down fashion, hierarchical. It's only for your own good, whack, whack. <clears throat> On the other side of ET contact, meaning benevolent, we find that the primary work of benevolent extraterrestrials is to help people without infringing on their own free will. Positive ET groups will never force anyone to do or think anything beyond their own consciously, conscious mind chosen free will or decision. And a primary basis of their own form of contact is to avoid causing fear. I said that directly. But on Earth, especially in Western culture, people don't really trust themselves. And with this type of reasoning, that you're just like an animal who doesn't know any better, people make themselves totally disempowered. <clears throat> it's pitiful to me to see people argue for this position. It's like saying, I don't know anything. It's like saying, I'm just a flesh bag body of chemicals and I'll be destroyed or my sense of self will be annihilated at death. What a disgusting position to, to, to defend. How terrible. How sad the people who defends belief that they're just a material bag of chemicals with, with some incidental self-consciousness that will be annihilated at the last breath. What a terrible way to live. No wonder they become perverted in mind. I'm a true hardcore materialist. So, <clears throat> going on, it's like people saying, I don't know anything, or I'm nothing. And I go on, you know, from a metaphysical perspective, which is shared by all ageless wisdom and mystic traditions all, all over the world, a human being is no less than God. Right? You are, I am that I am. All is the one infinite creator. At essence, we are infinite beings, no less than the ETs who have all sorts of high technology and magic powers. Who are you really? In fact, our true nature, not the body self, not the body identified, body mind incarnation, single one incarnation identified body or mind or self that we think we are, but the total our true nature, all we are, what we truly are. <clears throat> uh, in fact, our true nature, which can be identified as higher self, a relatively enlightened being in its own right, or higher self, is beyond the level of consciousness of all those negative ETs. Hey, hey, that's true. Actually, they, the negative ETs, also know that. Just like the elements of corrupt, self-serving human leadership 
that don't want the masses to realize they could be in the driver's seat if they would only wake up and get together. Abducting aliens also want you to feel like you're an an animal, to keep people disempowered and estranged from true self-power and glory, meaning (laughs) your true nature. This is plain and simple. By people arguing in favor of their ignorance, they basically perpetuate their own sense of inferiority and weakness and get further preyed upon, (coughs) further victimized by people arguing, um, defending their powerlessness. Hey, if the ET contact experience feels really bad, it's probably because it was meant to hurt you. And any other reasoning is tortured logic, which just so happens to be the logic of torturers. (laughs) If it looks like tortured logic, it may well be the logic of a torturer. In essence, humans are completely on the same level as ETs, meaning essential being. In terms of soul consciousness, our integrity as spiritually created beings, we are as powerful as any ET group, positive or negative. And so, this kind of argument meaning um, I'm an animal that they know better than me, just perpetuates human inferiority and allows negative ETs to keep on doing their work. Equating ourselves with tagged Arctic seals and injured children rushed to the emergency room, as one famous teacher did, is just a form of self-degradation and maintains human confusion. Deborah said, here's a situation that happens many times. She has a lot of experience working with people. She goes on, abductees begin to process their experiences, and in that processing, many become stronger or gather more courage to confront their abductors. Many attempt to develop a relationship with these beings to become more self-assertive and share that they have been able to establish a communicable relationship with these beings, meaning they establish communication and some kind of parity they believe in the relationship. They, she goes on, they share uh, with her or say they're more assertive in what they want done to themselves or not done to themselves. And in that process, they claim at some point the nature of these experiences changes or evolves and becomes more of a neutral or even positive relationship. At the least, they suggest the playing field is more leveled or has become more leveled and that they're treated with more respect. What would you say about that? That this is an illusion? And I go on, well, if the experience originates from a truly negative ET group, then they're just fooling themselves, the people who think that this is an improvement in the relationship, even though they feel it's an improvement. The thing is this, positive and negative orientations, which you can contrast as the power of love, as opposed to the love of power, are clearly demarcated in higher dimensions. This is one thing that the UFO community really doesn't want to hear (laughs) very well, because they, um, they skate on the uh, ice of moral ambiguity, and uh, their positions owe a lot to moral blindness, for sure, it seems. And I go on, so let me repeat that point there. <clears throat> uh, the thing is this, positive and negative orientations, right, S-T-O-S-T-S, which you can contrast as the power of love, as opposed to the love of power, are clearly demarcated in higher dimensions. ET groups, both, positive and negative, know perfectly well what they're doing. And they are not so foolish as to not understand emotions of terror and fear, as well as joy and caring support. Yes, they know the difference between fear and joy. They really do. And uh, if it caused fear and terror, uh, that was most likely its intent. Now, if people don't believe that, they should really consider this point and see where they stand, meaning consider what I'm saying and see where you stand. If you think all ET groups are benevolent, then just throw away everything I'm saying because this notion of the objective existence of cosmic polarity, commonly called good and evil, as above, so below, this uh, notion, which is the objective um, a priori existence, a priori to human experience, a priori objective existence of cosmic polarity lies at the heart of what I'm saying, indeed. In the raw, raw material, in fact, every single religion 
every single one that I've ever looked into, including indigenous tradition, um, acknowledges or recognizes a um, morally polarized um, or um, morally based higher dimensional uh, cosmology. Higher dimensions and higher dimensional groups uh, are arranged or um, are uh, associated with distinct morality, positive and negative, not human confusion. And by the way, this idea of cosmic polarity is shared by all religions and mystic traditions that I know of all over the world and in all times. If someone wants to think that ETs are just as confused as we are, or that their notions of morality are just as fuzzy as ours, then they should just drop everything that I'm saying and offer themselves up to all form of alien contact since they've already given up their own will to choose or their own will to think. Everything that I'm saying comes from my own experience, from a study of metaphysics and world religion, from my own contacts and work with others, meaning my own paranormal experience, and work with people. All of it supports the contention that higher dimensions are indeed polarized and that there really are benevolent and malevolent ET groups in the universe. Honestly, this is a given to all cultures that have any experience with spirits and non-physical entities. It's only our scientifically based, rational material, Judeo-Christian cultures, that stand in opposition. In fact, it's really only the New Age scene because Christianity understands uh, cosmic polarity, cosmic moral polarity, uh, as well as some New Age folks who are afraid of their own shadow, <laughs> who think that all cosmic life is benevolent. Uh, and then liars, some lying uh, disinformers believe that, that all cosmic higher dimensional beings are positive. In Buddhism and Hinduism, 2,500, 3,000 years ago, it was clearly understood that the two higher categories of uh, dimensional life, asuras and devas, are positive or negative and positive. Clearly well known. So, once a negative ET, always a negative ET. Generally, though not always, exactly, there are some negative ETs that cross over to the positive path, but I can assure you they're not abducting humans to learn how to love from it. So some people will have, oh, this ET is trying to learn love, so he abducted me and traumatized me. Okay, but there, is a, there are strange anomalous situations sometimes. Therefore, once a soul is consciously, deliberately, willfully on the path of service to self, they generally don't change their path. It is folly to imagine likewise. And although there are many naive spiritual folks who don't understand the ways of evil and imagine that their healing can make everyone peace-loving, it's sad but true, but I think it's a mistaken childish hope that um, their personal healing can help the abducting e ET who, doesn't, who just wants to learn love from the human who's being tra traumatized and terrorized. I'm going to rape you so I can learn love is, is akin, is a, is a statement akin to what uh, people who argue for this are, are saying. Uh, I'm here to help the, they, some people, it's not so many, but there are some people who've been abducted or had negative contact who believe that they indeed are helping that alien learn about love by letting themselves be violated and, and traumatized. Okay, if that's what you think. And I go on, if a truly malevolent, non-malevolent source makes contact with a human being, I can assure you they have no intention of trying to learn love and respect from you. If they really wanted to cross over, they'd go to a higher dimensional benevolent ET group or a human adept on the path of service to others, since they'd be the best ones to help. <laughs> Meaning, there's a lot of pride, I think, in the position that um, by... Uh, violating me, I they violate they violate me so I can help them learn love. Uh, and I'm the one they come to because I'm the right teacher for them or something. It's a little tortured logic, I'd say. Basically, in my I go on. Basically, if a non-benevolent ET contacts a human being, it's simply because they want to use them for some purpose. It's quite silly for us to think we can heal them, change them, or liberate them, in my view. 
nor are they going to be healed or saved because you, yourself, get some little bit of greater self-awareness through your own processing of the trauma. If the ET, uh, or whatever the, whoever's contacting, says that he or she, quote, needs you for some grand mission, most likely they're just conning you. Positive ET groups don't need us at all, but they do hope we can help ourselves and care for humanity and the planet in love. That's their only need. In fact, great teachers, if you want to surrender yourself to the great teacher, the great teacher will basically say, surrender yourself to your practice <laughs> and get yourself awakened. That's, that's all I need from you. Going on, top of uh, 34, and um, we're going to wrap up soon. So, if the abducting ET is truly, indeed, negatively oriented, and you, quote, make a better relationship with them, end quote, then maybe you will become a more cooperative slave. Or maybe they'll put you at the top of the pecking order. Or they'll make your cage a little nicer. Or maybe, if you really get spun around, you can join them in the work of fooling other ignorant humans. But in the end, if their intentions are negative to begin with, that won't change, no matter how much you process your own experience and get beyond fear and terror. And this is just the same as it is on Earth, or in 3D, in terms of human relationship. You can fight the, you can fight the powers that be, make peace with their existence and force, or cooperate with them willingly on the same side. But whatever your response, those powers maintain their own agenda. And their agenda comes directly from their own self-chosen path, which is called service to self, negative path. Just because you can make lemonade doesn't mean the lemon isn't sour. And so we go on. There's a leaf-cutting outside noise. She said, so you're saying that some abductees who have had negative experiences are just making the best of an experience and I said, right, people can make the best of a malevolent or traumatic violation type experience, and that is to their credit, definitely. But that doesn't change the abductor's intention one whit. If people were more comfortable resting in their own self-power and were not so fixated on looking outside themselves for direction, they'd see this quite simply. What we do with our own experience does not determine the intentions of the other party involved they choose themselves. Their intentions are as they are, and what we do with it is of our own making. She then went on, in your book you frequently speak, and here we we switch direction a bit, <clears throat> but we still have 15 minutes, so we, we basically, let me take a drink of tea here first. So she changed course a bit here in the middle of 34, asking about wonders. She said, in your book, you frequently speak of E.T. souls, old souls, wanders. For our readers, can you define the definitions of these terms? <clears throat> and you refer to yourself as a wanderer or E.T. soul? And she wanted to know more about it. And I said, right. <clears throat> well, I haven't used the term old soul too much, but since a lot of other people use it, I've added it to my teaching vocabulary. Basically, I use the terms old soul, ET soul, and wander synonymously. An old soul is a soul who's been reincarnating longer than most other human souls on Earth. This means that their path of evolution is longer than the average person on this planet. That puts them in the category, ultimately, of a higher dimensional soul, meaning they're no longer native to third dimensional life. <clears throat> what I call third-dimensional life includes the physical world we see in front of us, which in metaphysical terms is associated with third chakra, or first, second, and third, which expresses a state of consciousness that precedes love and doesn't yet know love. This sounds a bit abstract, but I can explain it. The condition of awareness of third chakra, or third center, concerns the qualities of individuality and normal personality integration, <clears throat> physical, emotional, and mental. This is what is called the integrated personality. It's actually an ageless wisdom term for self-consciousness, physical, emotional, mental integration. It is awareness which includes a conscious sense of selfhood, 
which is not the case with all living beings. For example, animals are conscious, but they're not fully self-conscious. Cats and dogs, whales and dolphins, and horses, and uh, <coughs> elephants, may well be a different matter, but most animals don't have a particularly developed sense of personal selfhood. In distinction, human souls are self-conscious, with a mind that can think, me and mine, but that's not a particularly advanced stage of evolution either. The next step beyond this is the fourth center, fourth dimension, and that level expresses love and polarized choice, meaning the two paths of polarity. The old souls I'm talking about, using the term wanderers, are those coming from fourth, fifth, and sixth dimensions, meaning they're a little older, or a whole lot older, than the majority of souls on Earth. So, a six-dimensional soul is far beyond the common the sense of common self-identification, but rather lives uh, native to its density in a state of formless unity with the entire manifest creation. Ra said, we have become light. They know themselves as light, but they're not yet finished with identity. At that level of being, <clears throat> there is no longer any sense that anything outside the self is other than the self. That's called non-duality, the law of one. The age of these souls, from the raw material, is literally a few billion years older than the majority of souls on Earth. <laughs> and the majority of souls on Earth don't want to hear this teaching. They don't want this teaching. They don't want it. They want an easier teaching. They want a more pleasant, pleasing teaching. So, that's just the way it is. And no one's to blame. It seems to me. So, that's what a wanderer is. A soul who's been reincarnating longer than most human souls. One who is old. They are almost all positive and come to Earth in love, seeking to serve others or serve the planet. They are, there are maybe 80 to 100 million wanderers or ET souls on Earth. I still think that's a reasonable figure. It's one, one to two, one and a half, two percent. <clears throat> so when a psychic or sensitive says, you're an old soul, it generally means that you're a wanderer. It also means that the person does not need to be on Earth for their spiritual learning, that they've chosen voluntarily to be here for accelerated learning and service to others, but that their true being belongs to another group, another dimension, and generally another solar system. And Deborah asked, when you speak of ET souls, for some people they may interpret it as meaning that in another incarnation they lived on another type of physical planet, other than Earth, as a very different manifestation than human. Is that to what you are referring also? <clears throat> and I said, yes, it's the same thing, although I'd say it's a little different. Depends on what they, how the person understands what they're saying. Yes, it's the same thing. Here we're talking about interplanetary, interdimensional, intersystemic, meaning solar system, reincarnation. In this sense, I'm using the word systemic to mean solar system. Generally, wanderers or old souls now on Earth came from other dimensions and other soul groups before arriving here. Some wanderers have been on Earth for 25,000 years or more, some for 5,000 or 2,000, or some just for a single lifetime. Ross said many came after the um, Renaissance or Industrial Revolution. When they die, if they're not going to continue with Earth or 3D reincarnation, and most of them won't, they'll just go back home to those other groups and take a different body in a different civilization. And some of them would have no body because they're beyond the level of all material form. At sixth density. She goes on. <clears throat> As you look back at your own life, when did you begin to believe or feel that you were a wanderer? So, a personal question. And I said, when I was in high school, I was very much into science fiction, which is a common trait of ET souls, but that didn't have anything directly to do with my awakening to being a wanderer. When I was studying Buddhism and practicing meditation ardently in my 20s, that also had nothing to do with my awareness of being an ET or ET soul but it laid the foundation for my later self-understanding. My concrete awareness, or specific awareness, of being a wanderer started in my middle 20s, in the 1980s, with extensive out-of-body experiences, both conscious and semi-conscious, where I met extraterrestrial beings and others from soul groups not associated with the Earth, meaning non-humans. <clears throat> After a few of these, it became quite clear to me that I have identity with them, or some of them. This recognition also built upon years of intensive meditation, pretty much from 1980, working to develop intuition in consonance or resonance with spiritual study, 
mainly of the raw material from the later 80s, and from my feelings from childhood of not fitting in or feeling at home in this society. But in the end, this kind of recognition is simply a form of subjective knowing. That's the only way someone can come to this conclusion, even if they have some kind of paranormal experience. In the end, it comes down to intuitive, subjective knowing and self-validation, and that's easier for some people than others. Indeed. She goes on, So, growing up as a child, if you were to look at your childhood, you don't think it was particularly different? <laughs> Everyone's unique, right? Or, you didn't look at yourself as not fitting in or feeling unique from other children, meaning the sense of not fitting in or being different, was that early childhood, or when did that develop? I said, well, when I was growing up, I was pretty alone, pretty much alone, because I'm an only child. My father died when I was really young, so there's just me and my mother from the age of five until 14 when she got remarried. I always had a sense of being alone and being different. I don't know if I even articulated it at the time as a feeling of being different, but I just didn't fit in and didn't even fully want to fit in to my peer groups growing up. I really just went my own way, <clears throat> which is a pattern that's con continued ever since. That too is a common characteristic of wanderers, a sense of not belonging, feeling alienation. So I guess that was an early indication, but it didn't really develop into any conscious ET self-understanding until I did a lot of metaphysical study, deepening meditation, and had an extensive series of out-of-body experiences in my 20s. Then it became very clear, and today it's no big deal at all to me. She went on, You have created what you call the ET questionnaire, which is a list of questions you've compiled which seems to reflect the common emotional and spiritual traits of wanderers or ET souls. With your permission, I'd like to share that questionnaire with my readers. And I said, oh, yes, sure. You can take it from my book or my website. And um, I'm going to read a little more. And then, uh, yeah, just about half this page. Deborah asked, you speak of being an old soul, an ET soul, or wanderer. How would you describe the types of contact experiences that you've had? Have any been fully physical at any time, or have most of them been in out-of-body or meditative states? <clears throat> and I said, oh, most of them have been meditative and out-of-body. <clears throat> I don't think I've had any direct physical contact. I've had synchronicities, but no direct physical contact. It's said in the raw material, and I think it seems to be true, that subjective contacts are generally positive and the physical type contacts are generally negative because negative ETs work more in the physical and often want to prove their existence to get away with or should I say get their way over people and so if it's physical <clears throat> the human uh, like some very well-known folks who have asked for and gotten direct physical response to their calling the humans then trust those ETs and presume they're positive and benevolent. And then they are used consistently. Going on, one of my clearest experiences was when I was working with the Robert Monroe Hemisync Hemi Hemispheric Synchronization Technologies, <clears throat> and that was during a gateway program there. I had a very clear experience of raising up out of the body, meeting a soul group with great love and familiarity, and realizing my identity with those beings. This is actually a classic form of wanderer activation or awakening experience for just this purpose, to help me get clear on who I was or that level of identity. Because wanderer identity is not the level, not the final level of identity. It's not the final, the highest uh, level or, or understanding of what we are. <clears throat> and so I think we're going to end for today there at the end of the discussion of um, some of the um, psychodynamics of people having abduction and their thinking in terms of uh, what they want, whether they want to continue it or terminate it or whether it's good or bad for them. And then a little entree into the theme of uh, E.T. Souls, Watkins Wanderers, and then my own experiences. <clears throat> uh, next time, uh, we'll pick up at page 37 uh, with her question about um, polarized higher dimensional beings or non-physical beings being morally polarized in the middle of page 37. <clears throat> so uh, I know I'm reading fast, but uh, if you like it, 
um, it's probably worth listening to twice, as I will myself. So thank you, Deborah Lindemann, for this uh, interview. And next time we're going to pick up in the middle of page 37, uh, talking more about the metaphysics of cosmic polarity. So thank you for being here, everyone, all and sundry. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.